The Today's Homeowner Radio Podcast is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford, your partner in home improvement. Everyone has questions about their home. We've got the answers, and we have a few laughs along the way. Informative, entertaining, and sometimes off the wall. Home improvement has never been this much fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this hour of today's Homeowner Radio. Man, we've got a lot of information to share with you, and we want to hear from you. You can uh, send us an email at todayshomeowner.com slash ask, or pick up the phone and give us a ring at 800 946 4420. A lot of information to share with you. A lot of people are really moving along here, Joe, during this time of the year. Yes, I mean, you start getting a little restless. People are starting to get out. There's weather getting better and better in different parts of the country, and people are, are looking around at some of the projects they want to do. That is really lighting up the phone lines. Yeah, like you said, the weather's changing, and the days are long, and there's anything better than May, the first part of May, the first half. I live in Connecticut, so you know, you've had your Danny's in South Alabama, so you've had great weather for a few months now. Mm-hmm. But May is such a beautiful time of the year. The leaves are out, the birds are out, and I'm out. I'm out working, yeah. I'm spending more time outside <laughs> than I am inside. I'm sure that we're going to find that from a lot of our listeners as well. Yeah, absolutely. And matter of fact, we're going to try to get to as many calls and get to as many emails as we possibly can. We're going to start right now with a few of the calls that came in this week on the Today's Homeowner Hotline. Hey, this is Thomas. I'm looking at a large section of fence replacement. And I was wondering, can I just sink sauna tubes and put metal braces on those to attach the posts to instead of sinking them into the concrete? That way it'd be a lot easier to replace them if I need to. And I think that they would probably last longer because they'd be above the ground. Is that feasible? What an interesting question. I don't think we've had that before. It is. I guess I'm a little confused on, you know, if they're looking at fence replacement, is the problem with the fence replacement the post, or is he talking about removing everything? I would be real concerned about the stability of that fence. I mean, um, certainly putting uh, the post down and having concrete around them. I mean, if you want to kind of um, safeguard them a little bit more, you can actually put building felt around them before you pour the concrete up against them to provide just a little bit of moisture barrier effect to that. And, you know, when you're building a deck, yes, it's better to put the, and the, 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 the sauna tube is basically just a round piece of cardboard that allows you to pour a footing that you can put down as, as deep as you want to go. And yes, on a deck, that's a great way to go to keep that uh, material out of the concrete, but mounted to the concrete and having the stability of that. When you're talking about a fence, uh, I just don't think it'll be strong enough to have it sitting on top of a concrete, no matter how many anchor braces you put on it. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I mean, you could do it, but I think it would need additional bracing. Of course, we don't know what, uh, how tall this fence is, first of all. You know, if it's short picket fence with three or four inches between the pickets, it's only three or four feet high, you know, might not be an issue. I guess you could probably do that without any additional bracing, although you might need to add some. But if it's a seven foot tall stockade fence, you know, the wind's going to blow this thing over if it's not secure oh, yeah. in the in the ground. So I guess it depends on the fence. But it is an interesting idea because he's right. You keep those fence posts from rotting. Um, so mm-hmm. the best thing to do is, uh, you know, maybe set the end ones in concrete, bury them, and maybe one in the middle 
and then use this other technique that he has. I'm not really sure. I've not heard of it before, but um, yeah. again, it would depend on well, the fence itself. Definitely not uh, something that's going to save money, and it's just going to be, right, I think, right. a, a weaker approach, especially with those winds blowing. So um, I think I would stay with traditional uh, approach on that one. Let's go to another call on the Today's Homeowner Hotline. I've got a – my house is four years old. I'm in some of the rooms between the wall and the ceiling. I'm getting cracking through tape. Probably didn't have enough mud originally. Just wondering if there's some adhesive on the market or something or like caulking that you could use instead of uh, just mud and taping those areas. I'd be uh, curious to see if there's anything like that. Well, I, I've tried several different methods on that. One, one way I did is I just took some water in a spray bottle and lightly dampened the tape. That's just to get it back more flexible. And then use a, um, a, a uh, glue that will dry clear. And then just sneak a little bit behind that tape, put it down. Sometimes um, you have to even put a piece of painter's tape over the area just to hold it until that it, that adhesive dries. Sometimes that'll hold it in place. You can do just a little bit of joint compound over it, and you're good to go. But, um, Joe, often the case, you really have to kind of do a little surgery on that and get, and yeah. get uh, that uh, problem piece of tape out of there so that you can start all over and putting more tape. Still not the end of the world and not that hard of a project to do, right. but it's not a, a one-stop shop. You've got to clear it out, put the tape on it, put a coat of joint compound on it, wait until it dries or dry it with a hair dryer is something we do a lot to speed things up, and then put probably two more coats to really get it smoothed out. So um, it's, it's just a problem area all along the way there seems like. Yeah, I, I do the same thing in my house and I suggest everyone try just gluing it back because if the glue doesn't hold and it fails again, then you can go to the more extensive repair, which as Danny said, cutting out the original tape, cleaning that joint, remudding it and putting it, we use the term remudding, basically applying more joint compound, setting new tape in there. And then, you know, and it takes several, you know, maybe two or three coats of compound to hide it. It is a bit of work. Then you have to prime it and paint it. So if you can just glue back that loose piece of tape, that's the thing to do first is uh, clean away any dust, re-glue it, hold it in place. And like Danny said, at that point, you can just touch it up, maybe even with just some paint. And, and, and that repair will be done. Let's grab one more call from the Today's Homeowner Hotline. Hi, I was hoping to get some advice uh, on a little backyard project that I've got. Uh, just leveling the ground for an above-ground pool. I've got a little bit of a slope, and um, it's kind of concerning me, the possibility of a cave-in whatnot. Uh, just need some, some general advice on the right way to do this. All right. Well, let, let me tell you, um, water is heavy, um, eight pounds <laughs> per gallon. And if you have a 1,000 gallons, that's 8,000 pounds sitting in a fairly concentrated area. So you're very wise to make sure you've got a good foundation under that. What I would suggest is to either take a string and a couple stakes with a line level that hooks to that string and pull it real tight across the area you're talking about it, just so that you can see how much of a slope there actually is. Uh, a lot of times it'll surprise you over um, a 12-foot or 14-foot area that you might end up having a five or six-inch drop that you're having to deal with. And you really need to put that um, above-ground pool on perfectly level ground because otherwise you're going to have undue pressure on one side of the uh, above-ground pool. So uh, one other way is to take a nice straight two-by-four 
four, 12 foot long, and maybe kind of nestle it down in the ground a little bit, two or three inches on the high side, hold it out, put your four foot level on top, just so that you see how much dirt you're going to have to move. And many times it's as simple as taking dirt off the high side, throw it to the low side, rake it, use that uh, nice straight 12 foot two by four to use what we call a screed board or a leveling board to run across that. And then you're just basically putting a little, taking some dirt from the high side, putting it in the low side, and that doesn't require you to have to do any bringing dirt in. Uh, But generally that's the case. But Joe, I have seen people use pea gravel on that as well, just to provide a little more of a substantial ground or the paver base like we use under pavers. Yeah. Now you want to make sure whatever you're using is not going to get washed away. But, you know, we don't know how much out of level this is. I mean, you know, if he's talking about two or three feet, then he's got to find another location or bring in a piece of equipment to level right, a large exactly. area. But, yeah, um, like I've done this when building sheds. You move dirt from the high spot to the low spot, but we're talking, you know, less than four or five inches. And what they then do for a pool, typically they'll put in a bunch of sand because you need, you know, like whatever it is, three or four or five inches of sand, but put in a lot of extra sand. Then you take a two by four, drill a hole through it on through the edge. So it's like a three and a half inch long hole. You pin it in the middle of this location. Then you just swing it around like the, like a hand on a clock. And what you're doing, of course, you're screeding or moving that sand. So you end up with a nice level surface. But again, so that, and what that does is it pushes the sand from the high side to the low side and fills it in. Um, but, uh, you know, again, without seeing this location and how far out of level it is, you know, it's a little hard to give exact exact instructions. So you might want to check with a professional pool installer. Yeah. And you, you know, you put that board across there or pull the string with the string level. That'll tell you immediately how much work you have ahead of you. You're listening to today's homeowner radio. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio, the number one place for practical, realistic home improvement tips. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by Wizard Screen Solutions. Find out more at wizardscreens.com. And welcome back to the show. We want to put a spotlight on one of our wonderful stations that air our show each week. This one is WCRNAM 830 in Worcester, Maine. Certainly been with us for a long, long time. We appreciate all the folks there in Maine that are listening to our show each week. We want to hear from you. You know what to do. Go to your computer and go to todayshomeowner.com slash ask. Send us an email or pick up the phone and call us at 800 946 4420. We've, you can tell it's spring because we've had a lot of calls. Let's go right back to the hotline and grab another one of the calls to help a homeowner out. Yeah, just a question. Uh, my porch, it seems like it, it's, uh, it's a concrete porch, and it's uh, uh, turning out to be an annual project to paint it. And I'm just wondering uh, how I could etch it or strip it down uh, and basically start all over. Well, Danny, this is why we don't recommend painting concrete porches. That's exactly right. He he didn't seem real enthusiastic about that particular project. <laughs> you, know, you, you have we some all, that are like, I really want to get started. And I really, it's like, oh, no, don't tell me I got it. We often say, unless you like scraping paint and repainting, don't paint concrete, please. 
Yeah, yeah, it, it is very problematic, but we certainly have some solutions for you. It's also fairly easy to strip paint off of concrete right, um, yeah. with a chemical stripper. Follow the instructions, uh, try it out, um, and you can, um, we, we just did that on a show just recently where we um, took all of the paint off of some um, stairs that were very slick, and, and the paint, again, was just failing, and it was peeling. Yeah. Well, um, Chelsea used a, a very organic stripper and stripped every single bit of it off, um, neutralized it, came right back with a, um, a coating uh, from our friends at Deitch, and uh, man, it just looked great. It was perfect. It also had a little texture to it so that it wouldn't, it would be safer. So that's what I would tell the caller. I would say, first of all, go ahead and do the chemical stripping to strip it all down. And then uh, if it's peeling, if it's just not, if it's failing, go ahead and get it off of there. And then you can go back with a, a concrete stain if you feel like you have to paint it, but concrete stain. Or I would really look at some of the Deitch coatings. I'm, I'm pretty impressed with that. We've used it quite a bit. A lot of different colors, textures, different things you can do. Very do-it-yourself friendly, and you might find just what you want and just the look you want for your porch. Matter of fact, you'll probably end up with a porch that will amaze you and your friends right. and at a very easy do-it-yourself thing. So that's Deitch, D-A-I-C-H, Coatings.com. Matter of fact, we're going to have the owner, Peter Deitch, on the show here in just a little bit. Joe, let's go grab a couple more of these uh, emails here. All from, right. This came in from... Emily said, we recently moved into a new house, and when we removed the living room rug, we noticed the rug was put down with double stick tape. Now there are sticky outlines of dirty tape all over my floor. What can we use to remove the sticky mess without damaging the vinyl plank flooring? So uh, the vinyl, so they got vinyl plank flooring, which is extremely durable. I know exactly what they're talking about. I don't know how the double stick tape under rugs gets so dirty like that, but I, I pulled up a rug, uh, changing a rug, which just oh, right. so much fun when you when you and your wife changes the rug <laughs> that's under your bed. I mean, you know, so why do right. they put rugs under beds? Because you can only see like two foot around it. Just buy a two foot rug and put it around the bed because the rest of it you will. Oh, man, there I go. Uh, well, that's not the question. That's for another day. That's for the right. marriage another counseling show. session. But yeah. on, on this particular one, Joe, I, I know a lot of the uh, the, the goo gone and the goof yep. off and yep. some yep. of those things uh, seem to be tailor made for something like this. Exactly. I'm assuming Emily tried something like that or you can use acetone, which is essentially nail polish remover, but you get a can of it at the home center. I would test that in a small spot, you know, inconspicuous spot, just uh-huh. in case it does, because acetone's pretty strong solvent. You want to be removing the wear layer on the floor. Um, there's another company called Fix a Floor, and they make an adhesive and residue remover. So it's specifically made for floors. So I assume that would be a little more passive. Um, but any, like Goo Gone, Fix a Floor, or just regular acetone would certainly remove it. Good. Okay, let's get back to another email here. This is an interesting one. Boy, you're hearing the term barn dominium quite a bit. So many people are moving out uh, to the rural areas. They build a large, large building. Many times these days, it's a big metal building. Within that metal building, they have their garage. They have maybe some things that they use out on their 
farm or farmette, as we call the smaller farm sometimes. <laughs> farmette? Uh, but I've never heard that we, before. We're, we're hearing all kinds of uh, people doing this. As a matter of fact, a friend of mine that used to work with the television show is building one himself. Um, uh, but anyway, oh, this is uh, coming from Courtney. My barn dominium has a gable end porch framed with 8 by 8 red cedar beams and posts. It's only been a year since the timbers were stained and sealed with super deck. However, after a very wet winter, the posts on the north side are starting to grow black mold. I know um, to clean off the mold, but how do I prevent it from growing back? I heard conflicting advice on oil-based sealers versus water-based sealers. What do you recommend? I'm not sure if the matter of oil or latex really matters when you're talking right. about a, a mildew problem because it's the mildew and the mold is growing on the surface. It's not coming from inside if unless they paint it over some damp or wet surface or moisture high moisture content. But um, I would suspect this is in a shadier area of the home. So, you know, using oxygen bleach in a, a scrub brush is a pretty easy way of removing that. And yes, it does have a little bit of a residual effect in keeping that mold from coming back, but you mainly want to, might have to trim a few limbs here and there uh, in order to get uh, the sun and the wind in this particular area of your home. That'll help more than anything to prevent uh, vent the mold. Any other thoughts that you might have on that, Joe? Yeah, not surprising, right, Danny? It's on the north side of the house where it's not getting enough sun. But yeah, it's uh-huh. just to clean it off. And unfortunately, this is the kind of situation we may have to, you know, just attack it when you see it. Don't wait till this mold mm-hmm. builds up because if the if there's enough moisture and there's in the air and it's not getting any sun, it's going to continue to grow. Um, there's a professional product that we've recommended in the past that might be the best mold killer that I know of. It's called RMR86. Uh, again, that's RMR86 Pro Instant Mold and Mildew Stain Remover. This stuff's amazing. You spray it on, it kills it almost instantly. We don't ordinarily recommend moving immediately to RMR86 because often the oxygen bleach is more than enough to get rid of uh, common mold. But in a situation like this where it's persistent, she might need to bump up to this professional grade product. And people always want to just grab that chlorine bleach right out of the laundry room know, and use it. And yes, it'll 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 get rid of it, but it's just way stronger and more dangerous than you really need. It's not good for the plants that are around that area. So try out that oxygen bleach. I think you'll find that you'll use that quite a bit. Let me grab one more email here from Joel. Uh, right. Our drywall ceiling in our condo develops cracks around some decorative posts every winter and the crack closes up during the summer we put some metal clips securing the roof trusses to the post but the cracks opened up again this winter and we were told that the truss span of 30 feet is the problem our condo is only five years old do you have any ideas on how to permanently fix this do you think that truss lift issue might be the situation here joe yeah, what what happens is, of course, as the wood dries out and the building is heated in the winter, things dry and they move. What's the solution? I don't really know. I mean, thirty feet seems like a pretty long span, but what are you going to do? Going to reframe the whole house? Um, uh, I don't really know. I mean, he can get up into the attic, and I guess if he wants to add additional bracing, maybe that would help. Um, you know, the fact that it closes up in the summer and opens up shows that it is indeed. Uh, because of humidity and the air being dry. Um, other, other than adding additional bracing to the structure itself, speaking of the, the trusses inside the roof, I don't know what else you could do about it because you can't just fill these gaps because, like you said, then they close up. 
And then what do you do? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I would almost uh, be willing to try to, you know, take some additional screws or bracing around those, that immediate area of right. the columns. Yep. And then I think I would use an acrylic latex caulk and just caulk wherever the crack is and, um, you know, see if, see if that, because if, if the problem is the crack that you're viewing, the aesthetic value of it, right. then... You know, this little combination. Also, maybe even putting a little insulation, extra insulation in that area of the attic to keep that influence of the humidity and the heat in the attic from influencing it. Something subtle like that might be all this really needed. Hey, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk to our friend Peter Deitch about a brand new product he just developed. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. We'll be right back. Today's homeowner is brought to you by Fluidmaster. Find out more at shop.fluidmaster.com. Now, you may have noticed here on today's Homeowner Radio, we try to answer as many questions as we possibly can because we feel like if one question is asked and it's not something you're really, really interested in, we don't want to take up half the show, you know, drilling down into all aspects of a particular one. So we try to get the answers, some options, some things to go and move as fast as we can. That's why a lot of times we try to uh, spend a little bit of time on emails that we've received. We'd love to get one from you, todayshomeowner.com. Ask is where you need to go. This one came in from Wisconsin. Dave asked, I'm remodeling my basement and was wondering if I should put up fiberglass insulation and then cover it with a plastic barrier before drywalling. I've been told that since this is below grade, the plastic could cause mold to grow. What do you recommend? Well, don't put plastic <laughs> don't over do that. any insulation, right. especially in, in a basement. It will trap moisture and cause you a tremendous amount of problems in the future. Now, um, many people will use house wrap. You've seen the house wrap, though. Usually it's a white color. Usually it's got print all over it uh, that's used on the outside of the house. And that'll allow moisture protection, but still allow it to breathe a little bit. I've seen that used quite a bit. And also I would tend to recommend for any basement area that may be prone to a little moisture is to go with a mineral wool insulation instead of fiberglass. That may help a little bit since it's resistant to mold and mildew and so forth. Here's another email from Derry in Georgia. I'll be installing hardy plank over 5 8 inch T111 plywood siding. The siding has a moisture barrier, but I'd like to put a moisture barrier between the plywood siding and the hardy plank. I was thinking of using 15-pound building felt. Do you um, have a preferred moisture barrier? Well, Joe, the old 15-pound felt's been pretty reliable over the years. We just mentioned the um, house wrap, which uh, many people, when they're uh, putting up, say, vinyl siding or other siding, they'll put the house wrap around the existing siding as a moisture barrier and a thermal barrier before they put the other siding on. What do you think in a situation like that where you're putting a a fiber cement plank over a T111 plywood siding, which is a very popular siding with vertical grooves in it? Um, What do you think about that? I I think the 15-pound felt would work, but the the only caveat would be he has to check with James Hardy first, the manufacturer, to make sure he's not voiding any warranty. I can't imagine it Mm -hmm. would. He's saying that the Siding has a moisture barrier. I, I've never heard of a hardy plank that has a moisture barrier built into. So I'm not. 
I don't know if I'm. I, just, I haven't. I haven't either. Yeah, I don't know if that's I something new or. So that's another thing to check with, with uh, James Hardy. James Hardy is the manufacturer. I would just check with James Hardy first to get the updated information on in, both of those questions. But again, I compliment you on really um, trying to look at all of the details before you start on a project like this. Very sure. important. A lot of people will, you know, get anxious and jump out there and go, oh, I didn't know about that. And it'll be too late. So so good good job on that, Derry. And best of luck to you on well, you have, um, you have a James Hardy with that project. You have a James Hardy product on your new home, don't you? Uh, well, it's fiber cement. It's not James Hardy. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. But um, but it is. I'm a big believer in the whole category, especially sure. how well it holds paint. And you know, termites won't eat it. And wind fireproof. resistance, is 130 miles per hour, fireproof. Lots of uh, big advantages um, on that. Another email coming in from Pennsylvania. Marion asked, "We built a beautiful new composite deck last year, which we love, except for one problem." The deck faces south and gets uncomfortably hot on some sunny summer days. To provide some much-needed shade, I'd like to install some type of awning or sailcloth, but we don't want to nail or glue anything to our new composite deck boards. What would you suggest? Well, I'll tell you what. I, I love those sailcloths. It's yeah, not me gonna- too keep you dry, dry in the rain, but boy, they are, they're inexpensive. They add a nice kind of a cool um, splash of color into yep. what could, can be a kind of a mundane deck look to it. And you can um, always put posts up or attach it to your, the fascia board or roof, if you do that carefully and properly to allow it to slope down um, over all or the majority of your deck to provide that shade, um, that'll make a big difference. And that'll cool that composite decking down. Because, Joe, that's one of the very first complaints I ever heard about composite decking is, wow, this stuff gets hot when it's out in there. But I think the shade cloth is a perfect alternative. Yeah, and you can get them. They come in different shapes. They come in like triangular shape, which is why they call them sailcloths. But they also have like square ones. And you can overlap them. Um, instead of having mm-hmm. one big one, so rain and the sun, rain would drip from one to the other, and it definitely blocked the sun. And there's a relatively new product. Generically, I think it's called a deck anchor peg. And it's hard to describe, but if you Google it, you'll probably find a photograph of it. It's essentially a, a pyramid-shaped spring that fitted over a T-shaped piece of aluminum. And the idea is you press this T-shape, like an upside-down T, through the space between the deck boards and you rotate it or it somehow clips on it, you know, cause the spring pushes down and it, it hooks onto the underside of the decking. Then on the top of it, you can hook a carabiner and you can string ropes or tie things to it. And so it's a really easy way to connect anything to a deck without screwing it down or, or nailing it down. And you can slide them along wherever you need them and easily remove them, just press them down and rotate them. They pop right out. So check out these deck anchor pegs. It's kind of a cool product and they're only like a buck a piece. That's the other thing. Yeah, that's great. That sounds good. One more email here. Jackson from Georgia says, hi, Danny. I hope you can help me with this problem. Our attached two car garage gets unbearably hot during the summer. Last July, I installed one of those big wall mounted thermometers and the temperature inside the garage got all the way up to 104 degrees. Plus, the hot air flows up into the house, kicks on the AC unit, even when we're not at home. We don't want to leave the garage door open, but I don't know what else to do. Any help would be appreciated. By the way, we love listening to your show every weekend on WWSN 1240 AM in Statesboro. Jackson, we appreciate you uh, listening to the show. And and I'll tell you what I would do here, and this is something I've done many times, Is uh, and it sounds a bit extreme, but you'll be glad you did it. 
um, on a exterior wall, install a small exhaust fan. The one I used to install all the time was from Dayton. You can get them on a, in a WW Granger catalog. But I would get one, and it has louvers on the outside of it. You mount it in the wall. The louvers are on the outside. They stay closed until that fan turns on. And what turns the fan on is a little thermostat that you put on it. So you might set that at, say, 90 degrees. When that temperature in in the garage gets up to that, it'll automatically turn on and exhaust. Now, the garage is not so tight that it won't have some air that it can pull in, in and around the garage doors. It'll bring that cooler air in and will keep that temperature down to whatever you set that. I've done it many times and it works great. Hey, these have been a few emails. You can send us one anytime. Todayshomeowner.com slash ask. When we come back, we're going to talk about a brand new coating from our friends at Deitch Coatings. You're listening to Today's Homeowner Radio. We'll be right back. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by Deitch Coatings. Easily roll on your new stone countertop, garage floor, and more in just a weekend with Deitch. And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. Danny Lipford here. I'm always happy to have my friend Peter Deitch on the show from Deitch Coatings to talk about a brand new product that might be just the solution to some of the things that you're facing. Peter, welcome to the show again. Good day, Danny. Hey, tell us about this uh, Rock Patch. I know you love developing uh, different products that will really help on certain things that are challenging homeowner. First of all, what is Rock Patch? Tell us a little bit about it. Well, Rock Patch is a resurfacer, filler, uh, a material basically to make your pitted concrete, concrete that has holes and cracks and other imperfections, make them smooth fix them up, heal that surface. And the reason that we did it was because we have a lot of customers who want to do their concrete with our product, but it's not always in the best shape. So, you know, we get a lot of folks with garage floors who live in the in the Northeast, for instance, and they get a lot of salt on the floor and their concrete is very pitted. So this is an easy product. It's pre-mixed. Uh, it's a stone polymer mix that you put on and it fills all of the cracks and holes, dries very quickly. And it's a very tough stone finish that you can either leave on its own or you can then cover with any of our decorative products. But it gets rid of all of the dust and the mixing and everything else that you would normally encounter if you wanted to use a patching cement or repair material of that type. So if you're ready to make your patio or your garage look a little better by taking care of some of those imperfections, what is the prep? What what kind of prep do you need to do? Pressure washing, thorough cleaning, a little of both? Exactly. So what you would do is you would prepare the surface, get it good and clean. That is going to maximize the anchoring of the rock patch material into the surface. And you very quickly, you can put this on with a trowel or a scraper if it's something small. Or if you want to make it look like a brand new, gray, clean, smooth concrete surface, you can put it on with a squeegee. And it's very quick. It fills all of the cracks, all of the holes, makes it level. And at that point, you can either leave it just like that and you apply a coat of our sealer on there, and you have a very clean-looking, gray, monolithic surface. Or you can apply any of our top decorative coatings over top of that, 
and you've got something that will last you many years. Now, what about drying time on this? Um, you know, most of your products, um, you, you nail it every time on when you say how long you need to let it dry. We've uh, experienced that uh, quite a bit. What about this one? How long do you need to allow it to dry before you can have that traffic on it? Well, generally, uh, if it's a nice day and you're doing it outside, generally in about an hour, it's dry. If it's mm-hmm. a deeper hole or deeper pitting that you're filling, maybe two to three hours. And usually the rule is always give it 24 hours before you may apply a sealer on there. Uh, And if it's a garage floor, keep your car off it for a couple of two, three days, and then you're ready to go. You've got a surface that's very gray, but very clean, uh, quite attractive, and um, it fills everything. And it's quick and it's easy and there's no mixing involved. You just crack open the can, put it on, Uh, make it look good, it will dry, and what you see is what you get. And it's very, very tough and very hard, and uh, it's air dry. It's a one-component material. Now, we're talking to Peter Deitch with uh, Deitch Coatings. We're talking about the brand-new Rock Patch that um, will be available in May on DeitchCoatings.com. That's D-A-I-C-H Coatings.com. And also uh, online at um, Home Depot before long, right? Correct, yes. Fantastic. Well, well, Peter, we love talking about all of the uh, the Deitch coating products, and man, we really enjoy using them. I mean, the TrackSafe has solved a lot of problems for us. We've, you know, used some of the other sealers on a front porch recently. The homeowners absolutely loved it. I mean, we did all kinds of work, but all they wanted to do is sit there and look at their floor. So it was a, quite a quite a quite a compliment on that, and uh, we appreciate um, being a partner with you, and uh, and hope Rock Patch is a roaring success. Uh, we do, and thank you for all your, your very kind compliments, and uh, keep up the great work, keeping everybody informed, and uh, uh, we like working with you, Danny, and take care. Thank you. Okay. All right. Thanks so much, Peter. We'll talk with you again soon. Joe, you know, um, you, we've I've talked a lot about the Deitch products and so forth, and sure. but this one really does make sense, just like Peter said, when, you know, somebody wanted to put a coating on there, and you go, well, you know, it has a little bit of imperfections here or maybe a little chip here. Yeah. Um, boy, just think of how nice that concrete can look once you go through these steps. Yeah, so it's essentially a ref- resurfacer, I guess, right? But you can use it, and you don't have to do the whole surface. You can just do part of a surface if it's only partly pitted. And, which, and what concrete slab doesn't need something to fill in those pits and cracks and everything else? So, uh, yeah, it sounds like a cool new product. Absolutely. Hey, when we come back, it's simple solution time. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by Custom Building Products, the leader in flooring preparation products and tile and stone installation systems. You know, from time to time when I have my grandchildren down here, especially my grandson Gus, and he'll be sitting there, he'll be so anxious to to go out on the boat fishing or just so anxious. Right. And that reminds me of Joe just prior to the simple solution. <laughs> so, Joe, I know you're excited. I know you've been sitting on your hands. Let's go, man. Come on. Give us a simple solution. I thought you were going to say I'm so excited and anxious to go fishing. 
which I always am. <laughs> yeah, there's not enough energy in the world to contain both Gus and me to go fishing. But uh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> all right, Danny. Well, um, if you take a look, take a close look at the air, your air conditioner condenser, you'll notice that on the outside it's coated with these vertical thin aluminum fins, and they are very delicate, and often they get crushed or bent out of shape. And that's a problem because they need to be straightened out with airing between them because it'll, it puts undue strain on your condenser trying to draw air through these fins that are all bent and crushed. Um, and so it's going to greatly uh, diminish the cooling capacity of the condenser, but also could shorten the life because it's struggling so much. So here's what you need to do. You have to straighten out those bent fins. And you can use a stiff bristle toothbrush or even a putty knife. Just be really careful to straighten them out. But they actually, this is such a problem, Danny, that I don't know if people realize, they actually make a thing, a tool called a condenser fin comb. It's only about, mm-hmm. I don't know, I th- I've seen them for anywhere from 5 to $10. Um, and it's, it, it does exactly what it sounds like it does. It has rows of tiny steel teeth, and you simply comb it through the outside of the condenser, and it just automatically straightens out those bent fins. And, you know, I mean, you have to at least check this, check these fins once or twice a year. Um, and then use this comb to straighten them out. Um, and again, that's important because you need that air to flow freely straight through those fins to make that condenser work as efficiently as possible. Yeah, the other, very good point. A lot of people don't realize the importance of that. And, you know, you'll have shrubs that you're trying to hide it and maybe camouflage it a little bit. Right, and yeah. the shrubs grow too much and they push right into there and um, can cause, you know, the air not to be sufficient as it should be. It can bend up all of the fins. So another great simple solution. And check out over 550 other ones by going to todayshomeowner.com slash simple solutions. Also, I was going to um, reflect back on um, our interview with Peter Deitch a few minutes ago. Yep. I also found out, you know, in addition to putting this new rock patch that he's developed from Deitch Coatings on concrete, it also can go on tile. Of course, if you got a lot of, you know, tile outside or something like that that you need to repair a little bit. So rock patch will also work on that. Pretty cool products that uh, Peter continues to come out with. You can see a lot of the products in use by checking out our television show, Today's Homeowner, now in its 25th year, and you'll be able to see it. Um, All you have to do is go to todayshomeowner.com and find out where you can see it in your area. We're in over 90% of the country, so chances are good that you'll be able to see this episode this weekend, and it's all about a weather-wise exterior. We're talking about a house that was in a very vulnerable area right on Mobile Bay that's south of Mobile, Alabama. So a lot of weather, a lot of storms come up through the bay, and they needed a very good durable roof. You should see the before and after picture of this project by tuning in. You'll see exactly what's involved in that process. In addition, we do a lot of other things with repairing some rotten wood, replacing some lattice that had completely fallen apart, and also a lot of pressure washing, a lot of repairing a large column using concrete. Kind of unusual, but it was the perfect situation for what we're doing there. So check us out by going to todayshomeowner.com and find out where you can see it in your neck of the woods. Well, it's always amazing how fast the show goes each and every week, and that's going to pretty much wrap up the show for this week. I want to remind you, you can always reach out to us, 800-946-4420, or send us an email anytime. Todayshomeowner.com slash Ask. I'm Danny Lipford, along with my co-host Joe Truini and our great producer Jacob Scarborough, engineer Corey Wilson, and 
the whole Today's Homeowner family. Hoping you have a fantastic weekend and look forward to seeing you again next week here on Today's Homeowner Radio.